1 Corinthians chapter 4. Church fathers. When you hear the word church fathers, something probably comes to mind for you. And it might look something like this picture right here of church fathers, right? We talk about the church fathers and we mean guys like Clement of Rome and Ignatius, Polycarp, Origen, John Christostom, the silver-tongued preacher, and uh, Tertullian, and even later on, Augustine. We think of things like this and things that would be in a picture like this. And, and rightfully so if we talk about church fathers, because when we hear the word fathers, that's naturally in conjunction with the church. Those who have gone before us, who have laid a heritage for us. But I want to introduce you to a different father today. I want to introduce you to, to my father. I, I love to talk about my dad. And here's a picture. There's me and my dad. Uh, I got some sweet sunglasses on in that picture. And uh, I, I, I don't, it's been a long time since I fit on that. But um, my dad died in 2013. And so I talk about him a lot. I love my dad. And as I look at this picture, uh, I, I'm reminded of the fact that my father was not a big talker. Dad was not the kind of guy you'd sit down with and he would just talk and talk and talk and you'd think, please let me go. Stop talking, right? Dad, he was a man of few words. Uh, he, he loved his chair and his newspaper. Dad didn't, dad didn't lecture me. He was not that kind of guy. It was, it was enough for dad to say to me, son, I'm disappointed in you. And my world kind of fell apart, right? He didn't sit me down and have daily or nightly Sunday school lessons with me where he opened the Bible. Part of this was because I think there was a, a latent insecurity about him. Dad came to faith in Jesus later in life. Uh, when he met my mom uh, in his 30s. Okay, now that I'm 40-something, that doesn't seem later in life. But for him, it, at that time, it, it was later in life, uh, the, as opposed to growing up in the church. And so he he was discipled by a, a godly man who taught him how to live like Jesus. And But my dad always had this insecurity. So he didn't sit down and go, David, it's time to study the Bible, right? He just didn't do that. But he did model a lot for me. God was changing my dad radically. When he came to faith in his 30s, he had this whole life that he had lived before, uh, before coming to Christ, and God was changing him. It's fun to hear the stories about it. But he modeled a lot for me. He modeled that things like the gathering of the body of Christ was important. We were in church every Sunday. We didn't miss Sunday because my dad got it. He got the idea that this gathering to hear the preaching of the word, to corporately worship God together is really important. And we're going to be there and we're going to do it. He modeled that for me. He didn't lecture me on it. He just, we just did it. He modeled respect, honesty, hard work, integrity. And that's the model he left. And that made an indelible mark on my soul. I, I needed my dad. And I imitated him sometimes without even knowing it. Have you ever had a moment where you thought, oh, I'm just like my mom or I'm just like my dad? We model our parents. We imitate them. Now, some of you had a di very different experience with your father or your mother than I'm talking about here. It was a bad experience. And even me talking about this brings up painful things. But this is the way it's supposed to work. Children are supposed to copy the modeled behavior of their parents. That's the way it's supposed to work. 
And it's also the way it's supposed to work in the church. Followers of Jesus Christ are supposed to model the behavior of a spiritual parent. In the meat of the passage that we're going to talk about today, kind of the crux of what Paul is saying is in verse uh, 15, the second half of it. He says this, For in Christ I became your father through the gospel. I became your father. I became your spiritual parent. Friends, for you and I, as children of a new reality, we should follow a spiritual parent. We should. That's the thing I want you to take away from this today. Write it down. Write it on your arm. As children of a new reality, we should follow a spiritual parent. Now, we're in this series called Life in a, in a New Reality. And we're talking about parents in a new reality. I have reminded you of this every week. Part of what was going on for the Corinthians is that they were given and adopted into a new reality. And so are we. As children of Jesus Christ... We are taken from death and transferred to light. We're, we are alienated from God. We were. And in our, through our faith in Christ, we are adopted as children of God. We have an inheritance. We have status. We, it's a whole new reality for us. And yet, just like the Corinthians, we look around us and see the old reality everywhere we look. How do we function in this new reality in the midst of an old reality? That's what we've been talking about for the last six weeks. We're going to continue to talk about as we go through the book of 1 Corinthians. How do we function as children of a new reality in the midst of the old reality all around us? Today, what we're going to see is that as children of the new reality, we need to follow a spiritual parent. Now, last week we talked about leadership. What does leadership in the new reality look like? And we discussed this very clearly, this servant-driven kind of uh, of new reality in which we live, servant-driven kind of leadership. If you missed last week, you should go back and listen to the podcast because it's important to talk about what we as people in the church should expect from our leaders. And if you have any leadership role at all, you need to go back and listen to that if you missed it. We talked about leadership. Today, we're going to talk about what it means to be a follower. Last week, Paul ended his tone very sarcastically. True leadership is, a mod, is modeled very different than this world. And, and true servant leadership is an upside-down model where the one who wants to be great is servant of all. These Corinthians got it all backwards. So Paul says to them with sarcasm, Oh, you're so superior to us, us leaders. You think you're so great, Corinthians. You don't even understand how leadership works. He gets this sarcastic tone because they've messed it all up. And now he's going to tell them, here's how you should be a follower in the church. As children of the new reality, you need to follow a spiritual parent. Well, what does it mean to follow a spiritual parent? To function in this new reality, in the context of the old reality around us, you and I need spiritual parents. So how do we do this? How do we follow spiritual parents? And I got two things for you today. It's, it's like a discount, right? You only have two instead of three. Two things for you today about how you should follow a spiritual parent. And the first thing is by imitation. By imitation. That's how you should follow a spiritual parent. Now, we think poorly of the word imitation because we have too many imitations in our culture. Uh, we call them cheap 
Chinese knockoffs, right? Things that have come over like this one. On the right, you'll see the real thing. And on the left, you'll see the fake thing. Sometimes they look close, but imitation. Here's another example. On the right, you'll see the real thing. And on the left, you'll see the imitation, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I have an addiction to Coca-Cola, so there you go. I love it. All right. A bad replication isn't what I had in mind here. This is not what I'm talking about. It's just a bad imitation. What I'm talking about, what I have in mind here is more along the ideas of that imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. Like, more like that. We're trying to emulate the behavior of someone else to emulate that. We're trying to emulate the behavior of our spiritual parents. Now, first of all, Paul changes his tone. He has been, up to this point, really sarcastic, really driving, blunt, rude. He's been direct. And now he changes his tone radically because he's going to talk about the metaphor of a father and he wants to speak differently. Look at verse 14. He says, listen, Corinthians... I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. This word dear children, that's translated, is is the word beloved. Beloved children. It's the word agape, if you know Greek at all. It's It's a word for love. Paul wants them to know just how much he loves them. He has spent 18 months in, he had spent that in this town longer than any church up to this point. He's been 18 months. He developed a deep love and affection. He views them as his children and he wants them to know how much he loves them. Listen, I love my children. I got six of them. You guys know they're 19 to four. They're like, they're spread out and I love all of them differently. But one of the things that I decided early on as a dad is that I would tell my kids multiple times a day that I loved them. I wanted them to know without a shadow of a doubt they're loved. I think it kind of drives them crazy, to be honest, because like once in a while, if I go to Malachi, my four-year-old, I say, Malachi, guess what? He'll go, I know you love me. Like he, he gets tired of it, even at four. I don't care. I want him to know how much I'm nuts about him. I love him. This is the way Paul feels about the Corinthians. So he says in verse 15, having established his deep love for them, he says, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. He wants them to know how much he loves them. Then he says, I have a special role with you because I'm your spiritual father. Now, this word 10,000 guardians is interesting. You might be tempted to think, what 10,000 guardians? Does he mean angels? Like, what does he mean? That's not at all what he means. He has the idea here, the word guardians is really important. It refers to a servant who is entrusted with the care of raising a child. So a father in the ancient Near East would go out and he would hire a guardian to raise his child. He would do this. It refers to a servant who's entrusted with the care. Uh, I'm sure some children in the ancient world went through many guardians. 
Uh, I think of the musical, what my favorite musical, The Sound of Music, right? Uh, if you've ever seen The Sound of Music, it's the story, of course, of Maria, this nun who gets pulled out of the, the monastery and she, she's put into a role as the guardian or caregiver or governess of these seven children. And there's this scene right in the beginning when she first meets these seven children and she's completely overwhelmed. And they start talking about how many governesses they've been through because the children drive them all away. Governess to them became a very temporary thing. Um, Maria in this story became more than a guardian. She eventually became a parent. A guardian is not a parent. A guardian is someone who might change, who is entrusted, who you take something from. But a guardian never replaced the role of a father or of a mother. Paul says, I'm way more than a guardian to you. I love you and I'm your father. I have way more at stake with you than you seem to think. I care way more about you than any other teacher that's come to town. I'm your spiritual father. Uh, I recently discovered this deep care as I sent our oldest off to college. Like, this is hard. Like, I've invested 19 years into this kid, and then he just leaves me. What's going on with that? Right? Like, I, and you know, it's, could you text me sometime when you don't want money? Right? Like, I just, there's this. But this is the way life works. I get it. I've got a lot invested into my kids. I'm getting ready to send another one next year off to college. I've got a lot invested because I'm the father. I'm the parent. That's what Paul is saying. I've got so much invested in you. I love you deeply. A father cares more than a guardian. And that's the way it's supposed to work. And now Paul comes to the crux of what he has to say in verse 16. I'm more than a guardian. I'm your parent. I love you. Look at verse 16. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Imitate me. The word here is mimetai. If you hear about it, you hear mimic. Mimetai is, is, we get the word mimic from that in the Greek language. Mimic. That's a good word. That describes well what Paul has in mind here. Uh, It's a, a, a copycat wouldn't be a bad definition. So in the ancient world, in, in, in Roman culture, and Jewish culture as well, a child would learn a trade from his father. A, a, a girl child would learn from her mother. They spent time together. They didn't send their kids off to school. They took their kids to work. Jesus learned to be a carpenter. Why? Because Joseph was a carpenter. They learned the trade. I can imagine a child learning to make something and he would watch his dad build this thing out of wood, build this chair, so to speak. And then he would mimic with his hands what his dad just did. That's what Paul is saying. Mimic my behavior. Imitate me. Later on in Corinthians, he's going to say, follow me as I follow Christ. This is the idea. Paul says, imitate me. I'm your parent. You should follow my example. Remember my model. Embrace imitation. If you have kids, you know that your kids tend to imitate you. My kids do. Uh, Clarissa and I noticed this the other day. We were talking and laughing about our two youngest kids, Malachi, who is just about to turn five, and Olivia, who is six. And uh, Clarissa noticed this, is that... uh, when they come 
like, let's say they come in from outside to tell us a story, like something that just happened to them. They'll say, so, and then they'll tell us their story. And we can't believe how many times they start the, the uh, sentence with the word, so. And she was pointing out, do you know how much you and I do that? <laughs> now I'm totally self-conscious about it. No pointing it out to me today. Thank you. But they mimic us, right? They want to be just like us. They say these things. Our kids imitate us. Some of my kids have my traits. I apologize to you. Uh, so, some of my kids have Clarissa's traits. You are blessed, right? But what's more, they've watched us enough where they imitate us. As a kid, have you ever seen your kid as a parent do an impression of you? Oh my gosh, it's hilarious. We were in, Clarissa and I were in the car on vacation and we were having an argument in the car with each other. And all of a sudden I hear my daughters in the back mocking us by fighting like us. And I just started, I stopped and started laughing because they nailed it, right? They got it exactly right. Listen, someone has, Paul has sent someone to the Corinthians. He's saying, listen, he's saying, imitate me. Do this with me as I follow Christ. Imitate me. And he says now, I've sent someone to you because I'm, I'm a long ways away. He's writing this letter from a long ways away. But you remember me. I'm going to send you someone, or I have sent you someone, who should remind you of this. Look at the text. It continues. For this reason, I am sending you, or there's good reason to believe that he's already sent him in the text. I sent you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Paul has sent them his beloved son. Timothy was Paul's protege. He was his close disciple. And he's saying, listen, Timothy has imitated me. And he's got me down. He he mimics me well. He's in your midst right now. Listen to him and watch him. Because as you watch him, you're going to see me. And as you see me, you're going to see Jesus. Imitation. And this is the key point is about in Christ. Paul is not interested in creating many Pauls. Many people, many me's. He's not interested in that. Paul is interested in creating many Christs. Follow Timothy who followed me. Follow me who follows Christ. Imitate Christ. I guess my question to you today is who are you imitating? Who are you imitating? Do you have a spiritual parent that you're imitating? It ought to be somebody. There ought to be someone in your life who is a spiritual father or mother to you. Who has, so when you mimic their behavior, you're actually becoming more like Christ. Who is that? Well, sometimes, you know, we ask the wrong question. Have you ever asked this question of someone, who discipled you? And, you know, someone has been walking in their faith. I've asked this question a lot to people. And I think when people scratch their head and go, well, I don't know who discipled me. A little bit from this person, a little bit from this person. That's the most common answer I get. I think I'm asking the wrong question. I think the question is, who are you imitating? Then you'll figure out who's discipling you. Who are you imitating? The second problem we have is that too many of us are following one of the 10,000 guardians we have in Christ. And we don't have a spiritual parent. 
We are flooded in our life with influence. I've talked about this over and over throughout this series that a comparable to the conflict they were having with Apollos and Paul is how we get in conflicts over our spiritual teachers that we love to find on the internet and we love to quote them. Um, Think about this. It, It is all too easy in our life to have a spiritual guardian from the internet and not a spiritual parent in our who's actually part of our real life. It's, we do this because we're prideful. We don't like to ask for help. We'd rather ask Google than ask someone in person. Did, you know, we used to joke when we were kids that men didn't stop and ask for directions. They would just wander and drive around aimlessly till they found it because they were way too prideful to stop. doesn't happen anymore. Why? They'll ask a phone. Google, how do I get to a certain place? The phone will take them right there. They don't have to ask anyone. Pride is no longer on the line. You guys, it is so much easier on our pride if we learn from a guardian rather than a spiritual parent. With the existence of all the spiritual and pastoral and internet preachers in the world, it's easy for us to take our imitation from them. But they're not parents. Matt Chandler doesn't love you. Uh, Andy Stanley does not know you even exist. John Piper can't speak into the circumstances of your life. Rick Warren, the purpose-driven church, doesn't know the specific purpose of your life. A guardian is just someone entrusted to move us along. A spiritual parent knows us intimately and cares deeply. We're grateful for the 10,000 guardians in our life, but they aren't parents. And this is why we need local churches. This is the power of the local church. Friends, I, I've said this many, many times, and I'll say, remind you of this again. There is way better preaching than this on the internet. You are going to find some really gifted teachers on the internet. You go out there and then, you know, you'll be like, oh yeah, sometimes it's painful to sit through Dave. I'd much rather, you know, listen to uh, iHeartRadio and catch this preacher, right? Uh, there's better worship. Alina, man. Does she do a fantastic job? And she's got such a fantastic voice. But, you know, let's face it. There's better musicians online. You can go to Spotify and and catch the original version of the worship song. You can get better stuff anywhere. I don't care what church you go to. There's better stuff on the Internet. But what the Internet can't provide for you is someone to imitate. Someone to model your life after. That's why we need the local church so badly. A spiritual parent, a spiritual leader models Christ's life for you. We need to find someone, a spiritual parent in our life that we strive to imitate. But a spiritual parent doesn't just provide a model for us. A spiritual parent also speaks into our lives. And the second way we follow spiritual parents, the first way is by imitation. The second way is by accepting correction. The first way is by imitation. The second way is by accepting correction. Go back to that scene where you're imagining Joseph teaching Jesus or a carpenter in the ancient days teaching their son how the trade. The son would maybe mimic or imitate, but he wouldn't get it exactly right. What would the father do? He would correct the child. He would teach him the right way to do it. Leaders can model 
And we can stand back and look at our spiritual leaders, our spiritual parents and go, I'll pick that behavior and that one and that one and that one. And I'll mimic those. That's safe. What's not safe is inviting someone into our lives who will speak correction to us. That's scary. The Corinthians, they're shutting Paul out at this point. They don't want his correction. They're arrogant. They aren't interested in accepting anything from Paul. So look what Paul says. He says, some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you. You see this arrogant, they've sort of said, Paul, listen, we, we took your you know, advice and thanks for the 18 months and you got to set out well, but we're no longer interested in you. If we have spiritual parents, we need to be willing to accept correction. You know, the problem with teenagers is they often think they've learned everything, right? Now, I remember when I was a teenager, at 16 years old, I got my license to drive. And somehow, I can remember this, at 16, I thought this little license to drive, th- th- this thing right here, th- this license, also gave me a license to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. Like, I, that's what I thought. Oh, yeah. And so I acted like it. I'd go anywhere I want. Oh, I can remember that didn't set so well with my father. <laughs> I remember going toe to toe with him one day when I was, you know, he was taller than me. So I tried to do a nose to nose, but that didn't work. And so I, I remember I was so angry. Why won't you just let me do whatever I want? <laughs> That's the Corinthians. It didn't go well for me, by the way, as a kid. And, and as a parent, it doesn't go well for my kids either when they express that. And as Christians... We need somebody in our life to be a spiritual parent with us to sometimes go toe-to-toe and say, you're going the wrong way to provide spiritual boundaries in our life. I always explain this to our kids this way. Um, Life is like a road, and there are curbs in the road, I would say. And I said, as you get older, the curbs define the boundary of where you can go. As you get older, we widen those curbs, We build trust in you. We widen the curbs. The problem is you're jumping the curbs and going off-roading now. And I'm going to bring you back in. We need spiritual parents to do this. So many times we don't want to accept correction though. Because we think we know it all. Paul is very clear here. As he's reining them back in. Verse 19, he says, I will come to you very soon. And if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. This is sort of wait till your dad comes home, right? Like this is that thing. Have you ever had that experience as a kid where your mom said, wait till your father comes home, young lady, young man, wait till he comes home. That's kind of what's going on here. Paul is saying this. When dad comes home, look out. Paul is reminding them of this. And then he says in verse 20, look, he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The the word talk is the word logos. It's literally the word word. It's not a matter of word, but it's this, this word logos is latent with philosophical overtones. So in other words, the Corinthians are walking around saying, well, we got the logos on this. 
we got all these great philosophical ideas and, and we know what's going on. And, and, we got, and they, they just talked all day about philosophical ideas. And Paul sort of says, hey, the kingdom of God's not about talk. It's not about philosophical ideas only. It's about power. It's about action. He's saying to his spiritual children, you're such a big mouth. You just need to shut your mouth. He's saying, it's time to put your money where your mouth is. He's just trying to say this to them. And then he says, as he wraps up, what would you prefer? Shall I come to you with a whip or in love with a gentle spirit? This is Paul just being a good parent. He's letting to know that he's going to discipline them whether they like it or not. But he wants to do it in love. Paul wants to be invited in. He wants to be welcomed as their father. He doesn't want to force himself on them with a metaphorical whip. He wants them to embrace correction. And he wants that for you too. You have a spiritual parent in your life. Do you have someone you're willing to say, I invite you in. I welcome you to go toe to toe with me and tell me what's wrong. You guys, culturally, that is not cool in our culture. There is way too much pride. There is way too much stuff going on. It's the same reason that people get behind their social media and type things that they would never say to somebody in person, and then they put them out there for everyone to see. So we're all chickens. We're all afraid, and we don't want people in our lives to tell us we're doing something wrong. But you need it. You need it. I need it. We all need to embrace correction. You have to choose it. In our world, friends, the church, I'm watching it every day happen more and more. The church is being set aside in people's lives because church is viewed as convenience, not life-giving necessity. Church is being set aside because people go, I don't really want anyone sticking their nose in my business and telling me what's wrong with me. So, I'll just pop around. We'll go to church here. We'll go to church there. And I'll fill out my scorecard. And, you know, I got 20, you know, this year. And that's probably good enough. And that's how we're viewing church. Paul has something very different. Saying, in church, you need a spiritual parent. And you need to be willing to be corrected. Too many people that I know say, I love Christ, but I don't love Christians. Okay. I get it. Hard things have happened. Um, But that's just chicken. It's just a way of saying, I'm going to get out of the hard stuff. Ultimately, it's a way of saying, I don't need a spiritual authority in my life. I will be my own spiritual authority. Uh, So here's the thing. We say that, but where else in our life does that ring true? Where else in in our lives are you, do you have to report to no one? Everybody reports to someone, right? You've got a boss at work. You know, if you own your own business, in essence, you're reporting to your customers. If you're in a nonprofit, you've got a board. Everybody reports to somebody somewhere. Even if you're retired, you still have to report to Uncle Sam. Like, everybody reports to somebody somewhere. And so, in, spiritually in our lives, we want to go, yeah, I don't want to accept correction. I'm not interested in that at all. It doesn't ring true. We have to be willing to allow someone into our lives to offer correction. 
And we need to accept correction from a spiritual parent. Someone we've identified who is involved in our church life, who sees us regularly, who is committed to us. We need to invite them in and say, not only am I going to imitate you, but I open up. I welcome you. Tell me the hard thing. We got to open because in our culture, it doesn't work. If you don't open it up to that person. I remember being 15 years old. I was on a church youth trip. We were sitting in a, in a a auditorium or in a chapel, so to speak. And we were getting ready for the event to start. There would be a youth band and a youth speaker. And I remember sitting and it was a group of about 30 of us. And the girl that I kind of was interested in was sitting right in front of me. And so I remember in my 15 year old wisdom that I thought it would be a good idea to flirt with her by taking my foot and just pushing the back of her chair over and over and over and over and over again. And I remember my spiritual parent, this adult that was sitting next to me, my youth sponsor leaned over to me and he goes, Hey Dave, if you're trying to flirt with her, it's not working. I was so embarrassed. How did he know that I was flirting with her? How did he figure that out? I needed that in my life. I needed him to say that to me. Friends, we're just all 15-year-olds at some point. We need someone in our life to go toe-to-toe with us, to say to us, that's not working. And we need to be willing to go, I'm going to swallow my pride. I'm not going to be offended. I'm willing to accept that. As a pastor, I have a spiritual authority over me. Uh, I, I, I report to our elders. Like our, we sit around, it's a round table, and I bring topics to the table, but they sometimes tell me, Dave, you don't got this one right. Like you're wrong on this. Really? Explain that to me. And they'll talk through it, and from time to time, I'll go, okay, well, we're not going my way, we're going another way. And I, I, I need it. I need that in my life. I've willingly chosen to submit through my ordination to a national governing board of people who watch out for me. I'm submitting my ordination. It's a way of saying, here, you get to speak into my life, to our district leaders, to our national office. If I go off the rails, by the basis of this ordination, I'm saying, you got to come go toe-to-toe with me. And you got to tell it to me. We, we all need an authority in our life. So it comes down to this. Who are you imitating and who's your authority? And it should be someone here, locally, in your church. You need a spiritual parent. When we think of spiritual parents, it's just impossible to, for me not to think of my relationship with my kids. And when my, all my kids were younger, they loved to help me in the garage. I'd be out there working with tools and figuring out. And I had a phrase about tools that they could all recite to you right now. Tools are not toys. I'd say it over and over again as Nicholas would be, you know, pounding a hole in the garage wall, right? With a hammer. Tools are not toys. I'd say it over and over ad nauseum. And they would want to help, but they'd also think, you know, this saw looks pretty cool. Let's play with it. No, tools are not toys. Would I come unglued? Nope. I just remind them because I love them. You need someone in your life who loves you. You need to accept correction. Who will that be in our church for you? This local body where people interact with you. You need this. In our culture, no one is going to force this on you. 
It will not be forced on you. It will not. The, the way things work in our culture, it won't happen. You need to invite someone into your life. So, I leave you with these two questions that I've been asking you for the last 35 minutes. Who are you imitating? Who's your, who are you accepting correction from? Who's your spiritual parent? Let's pray. I don't know, God. I, I, I don't like when people tell me I'm wrong. I don't like to have to admit that I don't have it all together. And yet here we are, children of God, desperately in need of spiritual parents in our lives. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd give us humility. Give us humility, Lord. Give us the ability to say to those around us, speak into my life. God, because ultimately what we want is not to follow another person. We want to imitate them because we want to follow you, Jesus. You are the one. We want to follow you. We want to look like you. And wherever you take us, we want to have someone in our life that shows us what that looks like. And so we're going to end our time, Lord, with that sentiment. Would you give us the grace to have spiritual parents in our lives so that ultimately we can follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.